Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can for $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking Donate. Don't forget, I have two other podcasts out there, Pucks and Cups and From John to Justin, available on all podcast platforms. This episode is sponsored by the Town of Olds. As usual, when I look at a town's history, I'm not going to be doing a chronological look, but rather a look at various aspects of the history that I thought would be interesting, and I think that you would find interesting when you visit the community found just north of Calgary. The Indigenous Long before the arrival of Europeans in the area, with great bison herds roaming over the land and numbering in the millions, the indigenous occupied the land that would be Olds. The entire area was the traditional land of the Blackfoot people, and later the Cree and the Métis would settle in the area, as Europeans began to push in from the east. The bison provided not only food for the indigenous of the area, but nearly everything else they needed through the harvesting of various parts of the body. When European settlers began to arrive in the area, they reported seeing bison wallows, where the great beasts rolled and wallowed through the centuries to alleviate the flies that were bothering them. There were other reminders of these bygone days, including the bleached skulls and bones of bison sitting on the prairie when the settlers arrived. Other reminders of the indigenous who lived in the area have been found in the past century including cutting tools, arrowheads, and trails. One such trail ran from near Calgary, through what would eventually be Olds, up to Musquachis. A local watering hole also provided a spot for the indigenous to stop while traveling through the community. The founding of the community. While the Transcontinental Railway came through Calgary and would spur development in southern Alberta, it was some time before any communities like Olds would pop up. Homesteaders began to buy up the land in the area as early as 1885, but settlement was still few and far between. All of that would change in just a few years when the railroad running from Calgary to Edmonton was built. The first sod was turned on this line on July 21, 1890, and it was not long before the sixth siding north of Calgary, what would eventually become Olds, began to attract interest. The rail line would reach the sixth siding north of Calgary and a section foreman named David Shannon liked the area and established squatter rights on one quarter section of land, giving him the distinction of being the first resident of Olds. On July 27, 1891, the first train made its trip from Calgary to Strathcona, just south of Edmonton, marking a new beginning for the entire area. The same month that happened, the Canadian Pacific Railway took over the operation of the Calgary and Edmonton Railway and released a list of names for sidings on the route. The sixth siding was given the name Olds in honour of the CPR traffic manager George Olds. A suggested name of Shannon was modestly declined. Soon after the name was given to the new community, the first place of business was opened by Charlie Jameson, a little store on what would eventually be 51st Street. As those early years began to pass, more and more settlers started to arrive in the area. The Northwest Mounted Police would establish a post in the area, and they would stay at a stopping house built by George Batho. 
1891, the Shannon family moved from their sod house to the station house, and in October of that year, their daughter, Mamie, was born, the first baby born in Olds. By 1892, there was a need for a school due to the influx of students arriving, and the decision was made to build a school building, which was located on the property of J.W. Silverthorne. That land would eventually be donated to the town to become a cemetery. Within only a few years, Olds would have a hardware store, blacksmith shop, two general stores, a dance hall, and more. By 1894, the hamlet had 104 people living in it, and the future was looking bright. In 1896, the hamlet became the village of Olds, and W.J. Brompton was elected the overseer, the only one the community would ever have until 1905. It was in that year, after several years of debate, that Olds became a town, with William Dean serving as the first mayor of the community. The First Olds Aviator When the concept of flight took the world by storm, one man named Charlie Hodges became very interested in the concept. He was born in 1900 in England but came to Canada as a small boy and by 1923 was living in Olds, where he was a self-taught motor mechanic. He developed a keen interest in planes and by 1932 had earned his pilot license. He would buy a First World War circus moth that had been condemned for flying and he spent his evenings and weekends rebuilding it, often building pieces right in his living room. Neighborhood children became very interested in what Charlie was doing, and they would often visit his living room to see what he was putting together. Once he had found all the pieces he needed and restored the parts, he assembled the plane in a pasture near town. On July 14, 1935, the plane took flight, likely for the first time in two decades. Under regulations at the time, an engineer had to check the plane before each flight. Olds didn't have an engineer, so Charlie trained and became a qualified air engineer. When snowstorms would hit and the roads were impassable, Charlie began to deliver air mail to points around the area. He would also help snowbound teachers and farmers. In one situation, a local man was bleeding internally after an accident. There was a terrible storm, but Charlie flew to where the man was, picked him up, and flew him to the doctor, saving his life. On another occasion, Charlie dressed as Santa Claus and landed his plane at the north end of Main Street and taxied to the Victoria Hotel, much to the delight of children. The 1922 Fire Fire is a constant danger for any rural community and Olds would find how dangerous it could be in February of 1922. A fire had sparked up and would wipe out a huge section of the business block south from the Victoria Hotel corner. The only building that survived was the cement block building and the brick building housing the Bank of Montreal. Several other businesses, which had dated from the founding of the community, were gone. In this terrible fire, Olds lost several stores, a drugstore, a bakery, and several offices, causing nearly $80,000 in damages, or $1.2 million today. There was no loss of life thanks to the quick actions of Dr. Hartman, who operated a small hospital above the drugstore. He was able to get people out, including three patients, before flames overtook the building. By the next morning, several of the businesses opened up temporary locations, were able to continue operating, and were rebuilt quite quickly. Town Council also took action in May of 1922 by passing a bylaw that regulated building within the community with an emphasis on minimizing fire hazards. 
the Mountain View Museum and Archives. On your trip to Olds, you need to stop at the Mountain View Museum, which celebrates the history of Olds through many artifacts and displays featured in the facility. Located in the old AGT building, which dates back to the 1920s, the museum features 7,000 artifacts, 14 meters of textual documents, and over 2,000 photographs. The history of the museum began in 1972 when Geraldine Wiper went to town council with the request to form a historical society. The society was incorporated the following year, and artifacts were collected from residents throughout that year. There was no place for the museum yet, so town council gave them one room in the recreation building, with storage at the library building. A display case was built, and artifacts were put on display. By 1978, the Historical Society had established archives for research and educational purposes, with Marion Spence serving as the first archivist for Olds. Eventually, the museum was bursting with artifacts, and the facility would eventually find its way to its new location. Today, you can see all that the museum has to offer in its current location and relive the history of the community. In the main hall, dynamic displays change through the year, giving a unique experience on each visit to the museum, and group and guided tours are also available at the museum. I'd like to take a break away from the episode for a second to talk about ExploreNet. I spent most of my life living in rural areas in Canada, and I remember the days of dial-up internet and spotty high-speed service. For the past three years, I have been a customer of ExploreNet, and I can honestly say that it is the best rural internet I have ever had. My job as a podcaster means I spend a lot of time researching online, interviewing people over Zoom, and uploading content. Through it all, ExploreNet has provided me with excellent service. When I'm not working, I enjoy streaming content on several streaming platforms, and even doing some online gaming with a friend in Ontario. ExploreNet allows me to do all of that with ease. Right now, they offer up to 50 megabits per second on their new LTE network with unlimited data. Their service has only become faster and better since I first signed on. Today and beyond, ExploreNet is investing in building and upgrading the network at a rapid pace. ExploreNet is rural, and that is their route, and that is their focus. For more information about rural internet options in your area, go to ExploreNet.com or call one 866 The Westerdale United Church Travel west of Olds and you will find a church that is very unique for the area. The story of that church begins on April 30, 1902, when a permit was obtained by Dr. Thomas Powell to cut logs on Crown land, which were traded for dry lumber, to build a new church in the area. Church services were already being conducted in the area, but this would provide the residents with a place they could visit and a social centre for meetings, concerts and more. Through the use of donations and volunteer help, the church was finished and dedicated as the Westerdale Methodist Church on June 16, 1904. One unique fact about this church is that a Calgary lawyer named R.B. Bennett was responsible for a pulpit being installed in the church. Bennett, of course, would go on to become the Prime Minister of Canada from 1930 to 1935. In 1925, the church became the Westerdale United Church. The church was a popular place for people to visit for the next several decades, and it was open to all who wanted to come in and sign the guest book. That practice stopped in 1979 when the organ and guest book were stolen. 
Eventually, services stopped at the church, and in 2009, the building was in disrepair. It could not be saved, and it was torn down. In its place, a replica took its spot, built by local residents. The replica is much smaller than the original church, making it one of the smallest churches and one of the coolest to visit in all of Alberta. The Japanese Attack Olds The Second World War was a chaotic time for the world, and no place seemed to be safe from attack, not even Olds, Alberta. Many in Olds may have thought that they were safe from the Japanese, but in early 1945 the Japanese bombed Olds. This may seem far-fetched given that the Japanese never really invaded Canada, or that Olds is nowhere near the coast, but it actually happened. It was in late 1944 that the Japanese created the first intercontinental bomb delivery system, the Fugo Bomb, which consisted of a series of bombs attached to a balloon and then sent across the ocean by wind currents. In all, 9,000 were launched by the Japanese. Only 10% of these bombs actually made it to North America, and only 600 were actually found, and 80 reached Canada. One such bomb actually came down near Olds. It was reported to Corporal Dave Dunlop of the RCMP who quickly called the Canadian Army to deal with the matter. They arrived and dealt with the unexploded bomb. The Army told Dunlop and the others who saw the bomb to keep it a secret. It was not until after the war that the Canadian government released the information about the bombs, having kept them secret to prevent any panic before the end of the war. A Famous Visitor Every so often, a community has a visitor who becomes incredibly famous later in life, or perhaps was already famous. For Olds, that person was a man who resolved the Suez Crisis in the 1950s, preventing nuclear war, while also creating the Peacekeepers. In 1958, the Honourable Lester B. Pearson visited Olds, prior to becoming the Prime Minister of Canada. He was in town to turn the sod for a new four-room addition to the school. After the ceremony, he addressed the students of the school and enjoyed a barbecue at the community clubhouse. The Early Armistice Celebration The end of the First World War was an event that needed to be celebrated, and on November 11, 1918, hundreds of thousands of Canadians celebrated the momentous event. Olds also celebrated on that day, but they also celebrated nearly a week before. It was on November 7th when a rumour was spread in the community that the First World War had finally ended. With the war apparently over, people wanted to celebrate, and that involved a very large bonfire, speeches and more. The leaders of the community got together and did a call out for material to burn in the bonfire. A spot was found on the corner of the Victoria Hotel, and before long a lot of wood was gathered for the celebration. At the same time, someone made a straw man and put it on a rope so that it could be burned as an effigy of the Kaiser Wilhelm. As darkness fell, the mayor spoke, as did Dr. Michael Clark, bringing welcome words of thanksgiving that the war was over. Then, gallons of kerosene were thrown on the pile and a match was struck. The fire roared to life, eventually burning the effigy as well. In the middle of the celebration, word spread that the war was not over yet. It didn't matter to the people at the bonfire. It was a celebration after four long years. Five days later, the First World War officially ended. The Battle of Olds 
So far in Olds, we've seen an early celebration for the end of the First World War, a Japanese bombing, and now we're going to talk about the Battle of Olds. It all began in 1904 when the town received permission to build a second railway crossing a block north of the existing crossing near the station. The cost of the installation of the new crossing was $500, no small amount, and it would have helped the townspeople as the main crossing was closed for long periods of time by standing trains. Three years later, the CPR decided to get rid of that second crossing, but the people of Olds were not happy about this. In May of 1907, section men arrived from Red Deer in the night to remove the crossing, but people in town prevented this from happening. A few nights later, another attempt was made, and this one was foiled as well. Then, on June 3, 1907, Mayor Dean received a call that a train had left Calgary, coming to Olds, with eight cars of gravel and 50 men. Among them were CPR detectives and 12 police officers armed with guns. Dean consulted with his council and they decided to fight this action, and 20 men were sworn in as special constables to prevent disorder. Word spread around town and before long, 500 people were around the tracks waiting to see what trouble transpired. Several carried handguns and shotguns. At noon on June 3rd, the mayor met the train at Olds. The superintendent stated that the crossing was to be closed at once, but the mayor stated that the crossing was built with the CPR's permission and that they would fight to preserve what was the property of Olds. It was then decided that they would sit down for lunch, but only a few minutes after the men sat down for lunch, word came that citizens of the town were now fighting with the 50 workmen. Two special constables were attempting to arrest the superintendent, and the workmen were wielding their shovels and pickaxes like weapons. The police then ordered the townspeople to disperse, or they would give the order to shoot. The mayor, seeing the danger, ordered the citizens to leave the right-of-way, thereby ending the Battle of Olds. Olds College One of the most notable aspects of Olds is Olds College, which has a long and interesting history within the community. It was very early in the history of Alberta that the idea of schools of agriculture began to take hold. This was because of the influx of immigrants arriving in the community, bringing with them farming techniques that were not always a good fit for the soil of Alberta. The Alberta government would set up a demonstration farm to teach people the best methods for farming in Alberta. The Minister of Agriculture, Duncan Marshall, farmed near Olds, so it was no surprise when Olds was chosen as a site for a demonstration farm. The Alberta government then began to build schools of agriculture on the demonstration farms with Olds, Vermilion, and Clare's Home receiving the first schools. Of all the schools of agriculture, Olds is the only one that has been operating continuously since its inception. In 1912, construction started on the school buildings, with the school opening on November 21, 1913. The opening of the school was a big event for Alberta. Attendees at the opening ceremony included the Lieutenant Governor and the MP, Frank Oliver. A few weeks later, a fire broke out in the school on December 9th, but townspeople responded quickly with a bucket brigade. Damage was reported to be $2,000 although the $40,000 School of Agriculture was saved. Many were excited in the community as it was felt the school would bring the community an excellent boost. Since that year, the school has continued to operate. It has also served as other purposes in the community. During the Spanish flu epidemic of 1918-19, the school operated as a hospital rather than a place of teaching, 
as an emergency measure to deal with the pandemic. In 1962, the school became the Old Agricultural and Vocational College. In 1970, it became Old College, with W.J. Elliott serving as the first principal. In 1973, the name was changed to Old Regional College, but many still referred to it as Old College. Today, Old College has an academic staff of 108 and an enrollment of 1,500 students. I hope you enjoyed that look, and if you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can reach me through email at craig at canadaehx.com. You can also visit my website where you'll find hundreds of articles on Canada's history as well as all my podcast episodes. Just go to canadaehx.com. And don't forget you can support the podcast through Patreon. There are multiple tiers to choose from, all with great benefits. You can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month just like all of these wonderful patrons have, and I apologize if I mispronounce any names. Francis Helbling, Randy McCallum, Diane Wade, Laurie-Ann Kirby, Gary Dolovich, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Shove, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roa, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. If you want... You can find me on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash CanadianHistoryX. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And you can find me on Instagram. Just go to Bairdo37. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.